Welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. We, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've had one of these. A lot has happened, so we have a lot to catch up on. Um, I'm your host, Brandon, um, formerly known as BK on the site. Um, along with me this week, we have the same two yokels we always do. Um, in studio, we have Scott. Oh, man, we were doing so well right before the trade deadline yeah. on our last podcast. Uh, but now it's been, uh, you know, post-All-Star break, post-trade deadline. Uh, not a whole lot happened except for, you know, kind of a southward trend. But that's okay because we've got some good... Uh, you know, good leads on what may be happening well, happening next. We have we have plenty to talk yeah, about. Absolutely. I mean, we've got a special guest here today. Uh, what's his name? I oh. where is what what is it? Oh yeah, we have Ralph. a very special guest on our podcast. Oh, Ralph. Today. His name is Ralph. Yes, Ralph from uh, from MOBXM Radio. Yes, oh, Ralph. Ralph, how's it going? <laughs> Oh, no, damn it. No, never oh, mind. Ralph it's, doesn't exist. That yeah, right. Figment of Jim Bowden's imagination. Yeah, never mind. Sorry, uh, sorry. That was bad booking on our part. Exactly. So, by via Skype, instead of Ralph, unfortunately, we do have uh, Wick Terrell. Hey, Wick. Hey, what's up, guys? Back up, Lynn? How are we doing? Do you like, yeah, do you, do you, do you like that gag? <laughs> nice well, contingency. Ralph, Ralph well, unavailable. He was busy T-bowing himself, so. <laughs> <laughs> you make... The you Bowden make you, the <laughs> you make such a nice man sound so dirty. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Tim Tebow and not Jim Bowden, who, in and of itself, is kind of a dirty individual. Really, anybody that wears leather pants. Jim, I mean, Jim Bowden may be the dirtiest individual. He's he's, he's up there. He's like used carsman salesman. You know. Carsman? Used <laughs> Carsman <laughs> salesman. Yeah, we're, we're, we're having fun here tonight. The uh, spirits are flowing, but that's okay <laughs> because the studio is where I sleep. That's where, that's the one, the one question I have is who rides a Segway better, Jim Bowden or uh, Paul Blart, Charlie Scrabble's Mall Cop? Uh, Joe Bluth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, although Bowden, Bowden might have Joe beat, though. I don't know. Not really. I mean, in terms of outfits, could could Jim Bowden star in Paul Blart Mall mm-hmm. Cop too? Could Jim Bowden score with Kitty Sanchez? I think that's the other question that should it's be good, asked. It's a good point. I'm not sure. I I don't think he could. He doesn't have enough money. <laughs> he would he would probably trade her for something. something worse. <laughs> he trade her for a five tool outfielder. <laughs> <laughs> for would, Ruben Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> He would trade her for Rob Bell. <laughs> Rob Bell, Ruben Mateo, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, Alex Ochoa. All right. Let's – all right. We're having too much fun to start this. Let's, let's yeah, get into the, some, some actual topics. So, you know. So the trade deadline just came and went for the Reds. Um, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, I think everyone was kind of expecting the Reds to make some kind of move, whether that be – to kind of bolster their injury played roster or maybe even selling a piece. You know, it's especially, you know, going into the deadline, they have what lost nine of 10 or nine of 11 or something. Yeah. Something ridiculous. So um, the Reds really didn't do anything. I mean, what are your, your impressions of, um, I mean, did the Reds do the right thing by basically standing pat? 
we were pretty much in a fish or cut bait scenario, and we decided to do neither. We neither fished for, you know, trying to go all in in 2014, nor did we cut bait and try to save face a bit for 2015 and maybe pick up some auxiliary players who had, you know, maybe one or two years mm-hmm. left on their deals that were cost-controlled. That being said, you know, the Reds did nothing. I would grant them the benefit of the doubt to say that maybe nothing was there. Mm-hmm. But, frankly, you know, if you don't have the originality to make something out of nothing, then, you know, you're, well, you're, you're kind of asking to just remain where you are, which well, is, I frankly, think... where we were at the very end of the one-game series with the Pirates. Right, and I, I think that that's what this boils down to for me as far as how I look at this deadline as well. You know, you have, you have what the Reds did in, at the 2013 deadline, which was the same thing, where they did nothing. They decided to you know, roll with what they already had, and what they already had got them third place in the division, a road game for a one-game playoff, and ultimately mm-hmm. not making it past that. So, yeah. you know, it's it's hard for them to get the benefit of the doubt at this point, I think. That's a, that's a good point. Oh, quick, go ahead. The, the issue I have, mm-hmm. the Reds didn't make a bad move, you know, which is... Yeah. A step backward for in both... A little sense. bit of credit. I mean, normally a team that has lost a, a couple big name players to an injury, right at the you know buffering up against the end of the window, a team that's still in the race but floundering a little bit, a team that um, didn't have uh, one clear need. They had several needs. Uh, they didn't. They didn't make a bad move. And so mm-hmm. I, at least I empathize with Walt a little bit. If you look up. They've got guys that are hurt that they're trying to replace on a short-term basis. And their top prospects are the same prospects as last year, but prospects that in Philip Irvin are coming off of uh, an injury and a surgery and are having a down year. A Jesse Winker who got hurt mm-hmm. and will probably miss right. the rest of the year right before the deadline. Yeah. And a Robert Stevenson who is struggling a little bit relative to his prospect status in the minors. Tony Singrani, who would be another potential trade chip, is on the shelf of the DL. Daniel Corsino, a former top 100 prospect, is floundered in double A. He would be selling low on dealing prospects. There wasn't a clear fit out there because Defensobris wasn't on the market. There wasn't one guy that you looked up and said, wow, I really wish you would have traded Robert Stevenson for Marlon Byrd. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and Marlon Byrd might have been the best power hitting left fielder on the market. And that's what the Reds quote-unquote need. Um, so I, I I don't think... I mean, Walt's always made moves without us knowing about him. We never had a, an inkling about the Latos move before it happened. We had no clue on the Chew move until the morning of the day it happened. I'm sure he was working on something, but there just wasn't a whole lot there that fit the Reds' needs and wouldn't sell low on a lot of key parts to what the next three years have in, in store. And mm. so I... I, I'm still to this day. I'm looking up and trying to find an August waiver claim trade guy, and there's not a guy that really stands out as like, oh, oh, like get him, and that team's going to be selling him. Right. So I, I, I give Walt at least a little bit of uh, dap for not reaching, but at the same point in time, it sure doesn't give a whole lot of vote of confidence for the 2014 season. 
Right. And, you know, Wick, you just mentioned that, you know, a part of the reason why is that we don't know exactly what Walt was talking about. He said on the record that he was close to something. He was close to making something happen. We have no idea what it is. And, of course, we'll probably never know. Uh, But that being until, you know, he writes a memoir, which I'm sure will be incredibly exhilarating to read. Uh, That being said, uh, I, I, I... I get your perspective on it, and more importantly, I think this is more of a situation where his past demons have come back to haunt him. More importantly, his lack of movement at 2013 and, you know, allowing Marlon Berg to go to the Pirates, who then... Took him and Be- became won. became the catalyst to allow them to at least get the home field, and more importantly, you know, win the one game playoff game, and then you know, uh, kind of under uh, underscored our inability to possibly resign him to maybe the same type of two year deal that he received, uh, you know, on the on the open market, right. and you know, had that have been happening, and I know of course I'm backseat driving when I'm saying this, a lot of the issues I think this year at the trade deadline could have been averted. And more importantly, we may have had a different outcome to 2013. Right. Right. I mean, if you also, like, there's so much of a core of this group that projects to be in 2015 very, very good. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if Bob Castellini was willing to stretch the payroll each of the last two years to get to where they are at, what, $111 million, which is like roughly 12th in, in Major League Baseball and tops in the NL Central. Right. If he makes no moves between now and next year, aside from uh, potentially buying out Ludwig and getting a reasonably cost-effective left fielder, I don't think there's anything about a payroll next year that projects to be $119 million that he wasn't on board with before this year. I think sure. he knows, best-case scenario, you've got five great pitchers next year anchoring your rotation. You've got a lineup that's got Joey Votto, Jay Bruce, and uh, Brandon Phillips healthy. You've got Todd Frazier and Devin Mesoraco who have burst out to compliment them. You've got Billy Hamilton being dynamic in center field. Yeah. And you've got a role as Chapman as your closer. I think what they looked up and saw was that 2015 could be a really special year. And if there was a move that needed to be made at the 2015 trade deadline, that's when you go all in to pick something up because that's the last glimmer of a window. But if you look at the returns that got made on everybody traded at this deadline, they weren't trading for prospects. They were trading for major league caliber players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Alan Craig's got traded. Yeah, the, looking, John Lester's got yeah, traded. John like, and, they were yeah. looking for, for core pieces that were established major league players. Well, and, even with well, the people that the Red I, Sox received in return for the Lester trade from the uh, from the A's. I mean, those were all mostly MLB ready. Yeah, Suspedis got traded. Craig got traded. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if that's what people were asking for in return for you know, their other you know tradable pieces. If Walt looked up and said, I'm not trading a core group, a core guy for this year, right. because 2015 is the year we're going all in, then I get a little bit better um, feeling about things. Which, you know? I, yeah, I, I get that, but I, at the same time, I think that there's probably, you know, I, I, I agree with you that they shouldn't be making a deal for the sake of making a deal, especially if it's something that's going to be a net negative in the future. Yeah, like is, that, is Alex Rios really the difference in 2014 or no. not? You know? No. No, the only it's question not. is if there's somebody on the market now that would that would be better than what we think maybe on the market 
in terms of a scrap heap in the off season to play left field in 2015. And figuring out, is there someone on the market that you can add to your roster that you're not taking away one of your key pieces for 2015 and will help you for 2015? Yeah. If you're adding a left fielder mm -hmm. for 2015, there's a very real chance that even if you go out and get the best available left fielder, that guy's going to be the seventh or eighth most important offensive player on next year's roster. Like, you've got six good players – if they're healthy, to anchor your roster next year. Right. So you, well, you want to give up a Jesse Winker for a year and a half or two years of Marlon Bird, who's going to be next year? No, because no, Winker, Winker very well could be a September call-up who, during the month of September, just based on being hot, could probably provide a 350 OPS. Or OBP, sorry. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, do you, do you really, like, was Alex Rios really worth that? Because it sounds well, like. Yeah, that's what Bird or that's what Ruben Amaro and that's what uh, Daniels were asking for for those type of uh, outfielders was a top one hundred prospect. And mm-hmm. yeah. no, don't do that because I mean neither were those guys. They're going to be worse than Frazier and Mazzarocco and Hamilton and every other. They might be worse than Brandon Phillips next year. You know. Well, not even yeah, not even the fact that he's not healthy. The fact that even when he was healthy, he was really not producing at the same level we've. We really need him to to contend. Yeah, it's 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 almost less about his uh, mm-hmm. his regression and more about the team's willingness to not bat him in the middle of the order. Right. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, I almost gets sixth or seventh next year and has a fractionally regressed defensive year. But that's not bad. Yeah. But if you're batting him third or fourth or second, yeah, then you got problems. Yeah, he's kind of. You know, I guess it's kind of comparable to the issue we would have had had we claimed somebody like Matt Kemp, who insists on playing center field regardless of what the heck happens. Now, you know, if we got somebody like Kemp and we could put him in the left field, yeah, you know, that's great if he's going to be a happy soldier and, you know, just fit nicely into the plans. But if he's going to insist, no, man, I'm going to play center field. I don't care how fast this cat that's actually playing center field right now for you is. Then, you know, it may be addition or it may be subtraction by addition. Yeah. Um, You know, is there anybody out there? that we think, you know, could be a viable pickup for the Reds? Not only for, you know, to end 2014, but, you know, that could possibly help in 2015, too? There, there are. There definitely are. The only issue is it seems like it, it's a it's a direct byproduct of the expanded wildcard situation as well. There's so many teams that still think they've got a realistic shot at getting into that one-game wildcard playoff, at which point... Who knows what happens, and who knows where that can lead to the playoffs. And so, you know, I, I think the August waiver trade deadline system has done nothing more than just draw out the whole process. And, then, you know, there are a couple people that fit. There are a couple different, um, you know, potential outfielders with big contracts that could fit. A lot of it comes down to how much the team is willing to give them away for, how much how many millions of dollars are willing to throw in and whether or not the Reds are the team that has the best offer for them. Because there are a lot of teams that seem to need the same kind of thing, which is a corner outfield bat with some power because that just doesn't really exist in baseball anymore. So, right. I, you know, there's the, the Alex Rioses, there's the 
the Nick Swishers, there's the uh, the Matt Kemp's and the Andre Ethiers. But at the same point, are the Reds the kind of team that are in most need of that, have the best prospect to offer, and also can eat the fewest amount of dollars because whichever team is going to try to be saving money on sending them away anyway. And I just don't know if there's a perfect fit for it. Right. Now, I, I think that that's, that's what this comes down to more than anything is, you know, if you're going to get that guy, you really have to kind of have the perfect situation where you're not giving up a piece of your 2015 and it's somebody who can upgrade something for you. Like, for example, I think someone who can fill in a day or two a week as a, as a bench player, I think that is something that the Reds would be really well-versed to get. And I think that that's something that, you know, if they don't do that in August, that's something that they're going to have to do in the offseason if they're going to try and contend in this division because, you know, your your Jack Hanahan's and your Skip Schumacher's aren't going to cut it. Absolutely. I mean, Skip Schumacher should be the 25th man on everybody's roster. And not your starting second baseman. Exactly. Though. And not on a two-year contract with a potential option for him. Yeah. All, all They're not going to exercise that option. Let's, yeah. you know... I, Walt's nuts. He's I, not... I, I, Walt, Walt, gonna, Walt, I don't think Walt Jockety is that nuts. What it's going to take is it's going to take a guy like Kevin Towers. And unfortunately for the Reds, there's not a whole lot of guys like Kevin Towers out there. It's going to take a GM... <laughs> In fact, there isn't even Kevin Towers anymore. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to take a GM who has... A, a a Jim Bowden-esque, toolsy prospect crush on somebody the Reds have. It's going to, like, with the D.D. Gregorius trade, and that's how they swung Shinsu Chu for a year. Yeah. It's going to take something like that where the Reds are unwilling to give up and sell low on Stevenson, uh, unwilling to give up on, on Winker post-injury, want to see Philip Irvin mature. And after those three, it's going to take somebody who really has a hankering for uh, a Tony Singrani, uh, if he's healthy, Travis like so. or uh, a Yorman Rodriguez. It's mm. going to take a prospect crush mm. to really get some GM somewhere to almost overpay in terms of giving away his pricey veteran in August for the Red System to deal right now. And I, you know, that's that's the kind of who knows. Like who knows if uh, if Ned Coletti is advising somebody somewhere that Yorman Rodriguez <laughs> is the next uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Jim Bowden. You might see something, yeah. You know, yeah. but aside from that, I don't see a, <laughs> a a logical. This prospect is a sell high candidate, and that veteran overpaid fielder can get bought down by trading him for him. I don't see that out there right now. Right. I mean, I am kind of surprised. Up until now, we haven't decided to kick tires for on Ruben Gote. Yeah, or in the minor leagues. Ray Navarro. Yeah, well, Navarro, I kind of understand in the sense that they may think he may not necessarily be ready, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, he's, he's not a, a prospect that they're waiting on as much as a guy they brought in for filler who is severely overachieving at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Navarro's what? He's still 24? He's 24. 25? He's 24, will be 25. At the 24, end. will be 25. Former third-round draft pick. Like, he's got... He's got some chops. Yeah. He, he's that's like better he's than a, I thought he was, yeah. He'd be better than Hanahan next year. 
Yeah. I'm he's sure he can play than first. Anaheim this year. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, the, the Reds are not the first team to give him a shot and not the first team to think highly of him. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of surprising you haven't seen him called up with the, the lack of <laughs> any sort of middle infield impact that the Reds have right now. But he almost profiles as the perfect September call up. And, uh, you know, if, if, if he comes up and gets a shot, that's. That's the kind of thing that could parlay into something in the future. I just don't think they want to throw him in mm-hmm. right now when Skip and Jack have the, uh, 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 the the veterinary experience of being middle infielders in playoff races before. Yeah, when I I think that that's when that when has sense. Jack been in a playoff race like Last a year, le- man. a legitimate Last one? Year. September October two twenty two on base per or batting average two sixty three on base percentage. A cool, cool, cool OPS of 652, though. That's about career average for him, though, right? His August was worse than that. Yeah, he had a nice July, though, of uh, 927 OPS. In, in what, like, nine in bats? No, 18. Handful. Twice that. Handful. (laughs) All right, all right. So we should probably move on from <laughs> Jack Hanahan um, discussion because that got so many page clicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, sure, not sure a, there's not even there's not even a Hannah fan. I'm sure on our, our, our red reporters are really really thrilled that we've been joining on about Jack Hanahan. For there's a Bubba Crosby fan on our website, but not a Jack Hanahan fan. That should tell you something. There is a Ramon Santiago fan club. I found that, that out yesterday. I saw that, and they've been updating their website fairly <laughs> recently. Yeah, that's a real thing. They, they, they are happy for El Happy. They are. They, they like... That's such a weird player to have a fan club for. Is there a Brian Pena fan club where there they're be. like nerds for nerds? I'm starting that if that isn't a thing. Oh, you make sure you have safe search on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how much longer it's going to take for Ramon Santiago to get extended for next year. Dude, don't bum me out for 2015. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be an old veteran guy who can play shortstop next year. Might as well be him, right? No. I, I honestly, I think that he's done a decent job this year. I have, I've, I've had no problem with Ramon Santiago. He has, he has done he has, exactly what you hoped Wilson Valdez would have done or what. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's everything Wilson Valdez wasn't last year. And Miguel Cairo. Cesar Asturias? Mm-hmm. Cesar still had a decent club, though. I mean... But Santiago's got the club, and he's getting on base at a 350 clip. You yeah. know, like that, that, I didn't see that coming. That's yeah. been fantastic. He's whacking three-run home runs in the Ohio Cup, for God's yeah. sakes. Well, all right, should we... Should we go fun bag? Should we go fun bag? Sure. Let's see, I can't read that one. Okay. We already talked about Jim Bowden. Oh. We didn't really talk about Jim Bowden. We just contemplated him and the fact that, you know, uh, Ralph could not join our podcast this evening. <laughs> Alright. Here, Alright, here's one. So, when is Hollywood scheduling the release of Over the Top 2 starring Corky Miller? That's from, that's from Wick. Oh. Wix sent that. What's over the top one? Okay, so so tomorrow you schedule a an arm wrestling contest between May, or between 2014 Sylvester Stallone 
and 2014 Corky Miller. Who wins? Oh, Over the Top as an arm wrestling movie? Are you serious? I have no clue. I've not seen it. Yeah, we don't. I'm familiar with it. But I don't get the reference, but then yeah, again, I'm well, kind of dense. First, first things first, for all seven of you listeners out there, yell at both Scott and BK for not having seen <laughs> Over the Top before. Step two, Over the Top is an arm wrestling movie featuring Sylvester Stallone from the late 80s, uh, where he arm wrestles and eventually wins against a bunch of old, angry biker guys. Um, so, Sounds yeah, good. having Corky first him... Would have been hilarious had I not been the only one knowing what I was talking about right now. But I, I guess this is a pretty good time to mention, though, that uh, it was just announced, the Reds just announced just uh, last night that they are going to be honoring Corky Miller's legacy in uh, Louisville on August 31st of this year. In the sense that he said that their AAA affiliate will be doing everything and we're going to be doing absolutely nothing. Their their AAA affiliate will be retiring his number. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I I am very highly considering going. If it weren't for a Sunday night, you know. It is, is, it's Labor Day weekend. Then, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, because I'm just going to be drunge anyway. It's my last opportunity to wear white, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, this, the, the sad thing is you're not kidding. Well, yeah, you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> See, I mean, you can wear a white bath jersey to the game. I don't have one. You can get one. I could. Okay. If they're going to be retiring his number, maybe I should get that one. You should probably get a Corky Miller jersey. I think that'd be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and has anyone seen what he's been doing so far this year? Nope. In Louisville? I'm, I'm curious because I, I, think I feel it's like, like a, we haven't heard much about him. Like May 17th was his last game, and I haven't really heard oh, at man, all that's, where he's, that's been, depressing. he's been doing since then. Yeah, it looks like his last 10 games, uh, his last game was May 18th. That's because that's I think of an injury. And yeah. it's weird because, I mean, the, the best catching prospect in the red system in the minors is Tucker Barnhart, and he's mm. in Louisville. So, right. I mean, I, maybe Corky's just hung around Louisville for the most part of it, and that's who he's working with for the, for the most part. But I haven't heard a peep about where he's been or yeah. who he's worked with. That, that sounds about right, though. I mean, I, I think that even when, you know, Corky's on the shelf down there, he's still coaching. He's probably still coaching first. Yeah. I, I know the game that uh, we went to, was it last year or the year before that? Yeah, he was coaching he, first. He coached yeah. first the whole game. At this point, he would probably be a better candidate for third base coach than the current third base coach for the I Reds. Would, I would encourage that. Yeah. I think that Steve Smith has done an awful job as the Red third base coach. He's been worse than Mark Barry, which so is saying something. I, I think that Corky Miller could step in and, and take that role. Pretty well. I Mark Barry had some of the most questionable moves last year when you it know, came to second runners. We, we had a lot of fun with Mark Barry at, at Mark Barry's expense, I should say. Yeah. And but at the same, I don't think he did half a bad of job as Steve Smith. Did. No, Steve Smith, he's like a human abortion 
when it comes to coaching third base. That's I mean, it's that's, just... That's, that's probably a bit much. Okay. Well, it's like a con... <laughs> All right. Then he's the human green light. He's he's basically green, green he lantern a, he a on the base path. He's a windmill arm. Yeah. He's basically green lantern on the base path. Not in the <laughs> sense that he has some sort of superhuman ability, but that it's always a green light yeah. whenever somebody decides to Everyone go ahead run. and round Everyone third. Everyone run. Everyone run. Yeah, he especially is. Brian Pena. Yeah, which <laughs> Brian Pena, come on down. You're the next contestant on the Price Is Right. I don't, know, I don't know how Pena keeps getting stuck in that situation. Like, his like, on-base percentage isn't great, so he's not on base that often. If you see he's Pena at the bottom of the lineup, so it's always like somehow every time Brian Pena gets on base, and then one of the guys hitting eighth actually gets a hit, he gets sent and thrown out. Yeah, I mean, like, he's like five for five in that scenario. It's bizarre like how do you watch brian pena coming send him home just to watch him get thrown out by 20 feet every single time <laughs> like i would not almost figure that out like hey he's not fast he's no, brian pena knowing full well that we have a quarter of a billion dollars lined up in a first baseman with knee issues i would almost send joey Votto before i would send brian pena with those factors in mind. Oh, yeah. And I love Brian Pena, but man, dude is not fast. He like, can he can put wood on it every once in a while, but that's yeah. not why his slugging percentage is he that high. He gets thrown out by so much that he has time to put the brakes on and hug the catcher right. by the time the tag's made. <laughs> like, it's not one step and then a slide and get tagged out. He's, like, thrown on the brakes, like, oh, you got me, and jogging in for a hug at the plate. Maybe it's an officer. It's a mid-season training regimen. He just wants to get that extra extra 90 feet of, of running in so he's in better shape by September. Yep. He might, might score then. Here, here's an interesting uh, topic of discussion that uh, Wick brought up. So, what if Jay Bruce has a freaky-deaky May Bruce kind of August? Could that be a season saver? I think that's a, I, I think that's a great question, Wick. Like... Because, I mean, yeah, we know the, like, what Jay Bruce has been, you know, has done in May, you know, through, in his career. But, and I think the last couple games, we're starting to kind of see him break out of that, you know, prolonged slump that he was in that got him, you know, in the, what, 210, 220 range as far as yeah. hitting, batting average goes. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see, like, could, could that bring this team back around? I actually think it could. I mean, if you look at you know the auxiliary players and who may be who may be able to help out, uh, the way our starting pitching has going, I would certainly say it's possible. Right. I mean, you know, one through four, we have four incredibly solid starters when it comes to uh, Latos, Cueto, Leak. And uh, <clears throat> Bailey, in no particular order. You know, if you keep winning four out of five, that's not an issue. Which, based on you know Bruce's ability to run produ- producing clumps, that might be enough for us to optimize you know our lineup production until quite or until uh, Phillips and Votto are back. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, like what. What Devin Mesoraco did earlier this year is exactly what Jay Bruce does every year, except for this year so far, yeah. which is just 
freak for a six week period and then kind of slip off and go back to being a mid 700 OPS guy before he freaks again. Like Bruce has done what three, three fifths of Bruce's year every year before 2014 is one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball. And then the other two fifths of the year, it's Lance Nix at age 32. (laughs) And like, who's to say that Bruce, like, the longer into the year you get, the more further removed you get from the guy who hit 30 home runs each of the last couple of years. But you also get further removed from the knee injury that cost him a lot of this earlier part of the season. I mean, who's to say that, like, he looks up now and says, oh, well, I'm healthy, I'm getting better, I'm getting stronger. And the last six weeks of the season, he's a 900, 950 OPS guy. Like, you put that in the middle of this lineup. I, I was tweeting out earlier today, there aren't a whole lot of guys who have a 900 OPS in baseball anymore. I think there's something like 42 that have an 800 OPS in all of baseball right now, whereas you compare it to 2,000, there were 91. Right, right. If, and if, if you get Bruce hitting, like, the guy who he is when he's hot, that can carry any lineup, including the one the Reds are rolling out right now. Like, I feel like when we watch the lineup card get drawn up, as bad as 2014's been, I look up and I'm hoping Nazarocco's in there. I see Frazier's in there, and then it's a crapshoot, mm-hmm. you know? And it's a crapshoot well, because Bruce hasn't been reliable enough you, to beat that. And you have Billy at the top who right. has exceeded expectations. As good as Todd Frazier's been in 2014 – I mean, by all, he's an all-star for the first time, set a career high in home runs and everything. As of today, his on-base percentage is under 800. It was mm-hmm. at 798 before mm-hmm. today. Like, and that's one of your offensive cogs. So, I mean, we're excited about watching Frazier get to the plate with a sub-800 OPS in the middle of the lineup, which, you know, in the context of the last couple of years seems almost unheard of. At the same point in time... The Reds are winning games and are still over 500 with Frazier at a sub 800 OPS as the cog in the lineup. Even if Bruce can get back to that, like that's a huge, huge boost to a team that only needs to score three runs a game to have a legitimate chance to win a lot of their games going forward. And I think he's got that. I mean, he's shown he's got it in spades. It's just a matter of if he, if he can do it in August and September instead of May and June like he has in years past. Suddenly with Andrew McCutcheon being injured and potentially less than himself down the stretch in Pittsburgh, Pedro Alvarez being awful this year. Uh, Thanks, Tony LaRusso. being worse than the Reds' offense has been this year somehow. Like, you throw Jay Bruce on a a 13-home run month in the question, and suddenly what? Like, the Reds have the second-best offense in the Central with the best pitching. Like, that's that's something, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got a new All Star Game logo. How we we do have an excited game are we logo. about that? <laughs> that actually, the uh, day of this recording, they they unveiled this this new logo, made a big big old deal about it. Had the mayor was in for the press conference. They aired online. Well, yeah, and uh, two of the county commissioners. Two of the county commissioners. Well, one of them that completely you know screwed over the city of Cincinnati itself, but that's okay. I mean, well, two of them that screwed over the city with the whole... Well, I know, but the, 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 other, the, other, the other individual there was Todd Portune, who's a completely incredible public servant, so I have nothing bad to say right. about him. But, yeah, uh, basically they just told, you know, city of Cincinnati and its urban core, go 
take a hike when it comes to fine arts. We don't want to uh, have the ability to have the inner city benefit from fantastic civil institutions like the uh, Cincinnati Music Hall, for example. Yeah, or, well, and the Museum Center, to a lesser well, extent. They, they, they kind of said the Museum they, Center yeah. is, the museum is A-OK, according to them, because every once but, in a while, people have field trips there. But, but Music taking, Hall, taking no. Taking Music Hall off of that is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but, because we shouldn't have affordable we, arts for, you know, the urban poor. But, but that's okay. We digress. We digress, absolutely. That's what the Aronoff Center is for. <laughs> Sorry for that rant. Uh, but yeah. All of those people were uh, at the ballpark today with the uh, the press conference that happened. Unveiling the All-Star Game logo. Made a big, big deal about it. Um, yeah, yeah, they made a big... Look, I, I think that it looks nice. I, I think they did a good job with it. it looks, I don't have any complaints. Well, yeah, it looks, and I'll add the ellipses into my comment, it looks nice. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, provide an additional uh, benefit for the city. It doesn't, you know, say, hey, this is Cincinnati. This is who we are, what they do. This is what we do. It's basically the logo of Mr. Redlegs, which doesn't really promote the city as well as I would want to promote. I agree that that is one thing that they could have done better. They could have incorporated more of the city into the logo. I think it's more just kind of, uh, it's, it's not necessarily advertising the city, which, you know, is something that Cincinnati needs. It's not like, you know, it's not like we're hosting the all-star game or New York. I wouldn't necessarily even say that it's something that they, I wouldn't even say that it's something that they need, but frankly, I think it's something that they deserve based Mm -hmm. on, you know, the number of, uh, benefits that they had to provide and a number of the concessions that they had to provide even to allow the All-Star Game here when it comes to parking, when it comes to providing city services mm-hmm. uh, in order to ensure that, you know, there there is going to be a sufficient amount of host, hotel space. You know, these are all things that when you put in your proposal, it's expected that you're going to have full cooperation with the city of Cincinnati. And that's also, that in Honestly, that's something that the city of Cincinnati has provided. So I would have at least like some sort of homage directly or indirectly that would have provided that on the imprimatur that is going to be the 2015 All-Star Game. Yeah. The way I look at it is it it seems like a red patch that says All-Star Game Cincinnati with a mustache on top, which... Right. Cool. Like, I... If you literally would have asked me to identify or explain any patch from any All-Star game in any of the other All-Star games in the history of the All-Star game dating back to the 1930s, I couldn't describe a single one to you. So I, it's, a, it's something that I'm glad people are excited about to an extent that they're excited about. But I, it's, the All-Star game's 11 and a half months away. And it didn't need a massive gathering to announce it. It's. I'm glad that there is a patch. I'm glad that Cincinnati has the All-Star game. I'm sorry I didn't get excited about it in August of 2014 is kind of where I stand on that. You know, um, I, I think the All-Star game will be a great thing for the city of Cincinnati. 
I'm not sure the patch will be a great thing for the city of Cincinnati. Right. I'm certain that the announcement of what the patch looks like in August of 2014 will have nothing of real value for the All-Star game 11 and a half months from now. So I'm glad it didn't look terrible. I'm glad it's not rosy yeah. legs on it. I'm, I'm but, glad it's not Marlins ballpark monstrosity. But, though, yeah. in all honesty, though, <laughs> wait, to, to disagree with that to an extent, uh, I think the All-Star game from Pittsburgh a number of years ago, the logo on that, I still remember that in the back of my mind. I still remember, to an extent, some of the other, you know, momentous uh, All-Star Game logos when it comes to, you know, the one that was done in the recently constructed, newly constructed Yankee Stadium or Mm -hmm. the City Field one. You know, there's a way to reinforce that. I mean, Cincinnati hasn't had an All-Star Game since 1986. Like, I'm not you just said that. I didn't even remember Pittsburgh had the All Star Game recently. Like that's how disinterested in the All Star Game I am, <laughs> and that's 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 me. That's a that's a me thing. I'm not saying that's that's the general populace or anything else. I'm just right. saying I don't place a whole lot of importance on the All Star Game. I was probably was three years ago what? or four years ago. Four years ago, you know. Yeah, that's, it was that, two that's, two NL All Star Game. So I think that's something that really could have been reinforced. If it was done properly, I just think that it was more along the lines of, you know, uh, just trying to reinforce the brand of the Cincinnati Reds as opposed to the city of Cincinnati, which thus far has been a very accommodating uh, partner in it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I can see. I, I see exactly what you're saying on that, for sure. Right. All right. Well, I think uh, with that, I think we're gonna wrap it up. I think this is probably gone long enough. Yeah, so. you're still listening. So yeah, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you stuck this one out, um, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we're four more questions and just force Scott to edit it out. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm probably gonna drop yeah, he, at least three minutes so on this. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, all right. So you know. Make sure to uh, send in your questions. Subscribe on iTunes. Um, stay tuned for the next one. I think we're going to try and do it sooner than you know the interval we had this last time. Absolutely, because otherwise we <laughs> just we'll just be discussing September call-ups. Yeah, and who got snubbed? Yeah, but I, I it's it's my goal that the next podcast we do isn't a post mortem on the season. Yeah, so. <laughs> We're hoping we're alive in you know, early September, regardless if we do this in two weeks or four weeks. Yeah, but. exactly. So, you know, keep keep an eye out for that. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Follow us individually on Twitter. You can find our handles in mm-hmm. the profile. Register on SB Nation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Comment yeah. on the site. Comment we, on the site. We, we don't bite. We don't. Yeah. Follow at Farty Fool at Murder Car. <laughs> and at JCH24. At and buckle your seatbelts. The Jim Day, Jim Day TV. <laughs> Little Giraffe Ghost. Oh. Is, that still, is that still a thing? Not really. No. Uh. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Follow us at Murder Car. Uh. We are Murder Car. Oh, uh, well. 
right. Well, uh, and then, yeah, definitely make sure to uh, visit the site. Yeah. Comment, see what you think. Um, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. RedReporter.com. Yes. RedReporter.com. Search for Red Reporter on iTunes store to subscribe to the podcast. We like subscribers. Yeah. And remember, our current uh, you know Red Reporter Twitter handle is uh, at Jim Bowden underscore ESPN. That was actually uh, that's our that's our guest. That's Ralph. Oh, that's Ralph. Never mind. Ralph. Didn't Ralph. 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 Yeah. Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> that's probably our you think. All right, probably all right, is. all right. So, uh, <laughs> good night, everybody. Yeah, for for Wick and Scott, I'm Brandon. Peace out.